Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start there. I'm going to talk to you about keep digging. Keep digging. Look to your neighbor and say, just keep digging. We just need to keep digging. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let's look at a couple things real quick. All right. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says this. The kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is light. That, this is a parable. This is where Jesus is giving an example. And notice, Jesus always talked about the kingdom. In fact, if you follow the four Gospels, uh, there's about 133, I believe it is, you know, somewhere around there, where he mentions the kingdom of God. In fact, um, Pastor Brian took the time to go through, and any time Jesus initiates the conversation, he brings up the kingdom. Um, so we see here he gives some types and shadows that if we would look at these things, understand these types and shadows, we'd find ourselves in a position that we would have access to God's kingdom. Do you understand God's kingdom is a physical realm? It does physically exist. Uh, it's just in heaven, physically speaking. But on a spiritual side, it's here now within us. Again, Jesus said, you know, when they said, where's the kingdom? You know, where, we want to see it. He said, it's not neither here nor there, but it's within you. And that's just the spirit. It's just like democracy. Where's democracy? Can somebody show it to me? Right? It's, it's within us based upon the fact that we are able to uh, walk out this thing where we can uh, elect officials, we can go and vote, we can, you know, uh, put forth legislation, different things, you know, where the people have a part to play within the government. Amen. And, um, you know, but again, it's something that you don't literally see. It's an ideology. It's something that's in, basically in the unseen realm, but w manifests out in a physical realm. Correct? So, because India is a democracy, but they look different than us. If you've never been to India, they look different. In fact, they have different little countries, what you, well, not countries, but providences. You know, we call them states, but they are allowed to govern those particular providences differently uh, than others. In fact, there's one that's actually a communist um, providence. Kind of crazy. But in the nation of India, that is a democracy, and it is the largest democracy in, our in, in the world. So Jesus is trying to give us a type and shadow of this kingdom, which the kingdom is just this, the king's domain. This is where uh, God is the king. We are the children of the king. Amen. And we're uh, learning how to pull his unseen realm into this seen realm, how we are to exercise the government of God in the earth. Are you with me? Amen. So again, you, can't, you can say hashtag not my Jesus and hashtag not my Lord and hashtag not my king, but Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord, period. Whether you accept it or not, he was not voted in and he'll never be voted out. He is the name above every name. Hallelujah. All right. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. So the first thing we ought to recognize is that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And I've never come across anyone that when you talk of treasure, that they don't get excited. And most of the time when you think of treasure, it has to do with value. Most people don't think of treasure as something small. They consider it of great value. You know, I, I have never been a small thinker anyway, and if you would have said treasure, my mind is going off. I mean, I'm thinking big stuff. You understand what I'm saying? 
And, you know, I, I'd be tempted to be one of those treasure hunters, you know. Um, I, I, I've said often that if I was not called to ministry, um, I would probably have entertained the, the thought of being an oceanographer and actually look for sunken treasures in the ocean. Now, I don't know how well I would do on the ships in general. Uh, I've not had any problems on cruise lines ever. Uh, I don't have problems on little boats either, though I've not. I've gone out to sea on some deep sea fishing trips, and as long as the air's blowing in my face, I'm quite good. But you sit me where the fumes of uh, diesel come, I'm gonna die. It's not good at all. That's even in a vehicle. Um, so if I can stay away from those fumes, I'm usually pretty good. So. You know, with all that being said, there's nothing like, man, seeing those guys scuba dive and get down there in the depths of the water and start seeing these things and uncovering there's all these gold because, you know, you know how much gold is out there on the ocean floor right now? Ah, all you got to do is go find it, right? All you have to do is go find it or hear God to tell us to speak to a fish and say, call a mahi or, you know, a dolphin, or maybe, you know, we can get us a, a swordfish. That'd be good because, you know, he can get on my line and then we can eat it as well um, and bring some, some gold into us. But the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. So it's valuable, but it's hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This word hid means to conceal or to cover. And this word buys means this. It means to go to the market to cause the release or freedom of someone by means of which proves costly to the individual causing the release to redeem, to set free. So you understand the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field that a man found it, hid it, so he concealed it. Then for joy, he had to sell out. He had to sell out. You say, well, why does he hide it? Because he doesn't own it. Amen. Just because you are exposed to a treasure doesn't mean you have access to the treasure. In fact, I, I used to watch this show on, um, I don't remember if it's Discovery Channel, maybe it is. It's, um, oh, it's up there in Nova Scotia area. Um, that little guys that are on this um, island. Um, <clears throat> Golly, come on, Lord, give it to me. Anybody watch that show? It's like this. There's, there's this treasure, and they got this, like, well that they got to go down in to try to get it, but they haven't been able to do it yet. Anybody? Anybody? What is it? Oak Island. Thank you. You're the man. Yeah, the curse of Oak Island. That's what it's called. I don't care about the curse, but the story is that seven people have to die before the treasure's found, and six have already died looking for it. Okay, and there's these whole guys trying to find this treasure. All right, I mean, it's intriguing, man. You're thinking, is there something there, right? I mean, I can't help the whole little idea, you know, you just want to go and find this particular deal. But the thing is, is I could not go to Oak Island and decide I was going to go find it because I don't own it. If I really believed it was there, then I would have to sell out in order to gain access to the property that the treasure is in. And what this is, is the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, meaning that in, in context to Christ Jesus, when we were lost, separated from God, we didn't know him, God reveals himself to us. I said he reveals himself to us. He, he, he shows himself as a treasure and says, you cannot know my father unless you first accept me. Now, that means in order for you to gain access to the treasure of salvation, you're going to have to sell something. 
You're going to have to sell something. And most people say, wait a minute, no, salvation's a free gift. I mean, haven't you read the Bible, Pastor Earl? The Bible says very clearly that it's a gift of God. Well, it's, God is freely giving it to you, but there's you can't purchase it with silver and gold. There's another thing you must do in exchange for it. I said you must do an exchange for it. And a lot of people are not doing the exchange. They want the treasure without the buying. Meaning they're not selling out to Christ. Because Jesus said this, you must love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. All. In essence, you must sell out to me. You must lay down your will. All you have to do is put your will on the cross and take mine. That's the, that's the exchange. You believe that I died, rose from the grave, and now that I'm Lord, Lord meaning supreme in authority, you're selling out to my lordship, and from there, you now have access to treasure. I said you have access to treasure. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35 says it this way, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must what? So again, when we again when we pick up these terminologies, if we don't watch out, we do a gross disservice to the person that needs Jesus. A gross disservice. Because if we don't watch out, we, 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 we put this position that Jesus did everything. You don't have to do jack. Just ask him to come into your heart and save you. And then when you die, you go to heaven. And there's no access to any additional treasures of the kingdom of God. Now, even in there, you cannot be saved unless you call him Lord. Okay. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord is not a religious word. It literally means supreme in authority. So in, in essence, for you to be born again, you must make Jesus Lord of your life. What's the exchange for him becoming Lord? You can't be Lord anymore. You have to lay down your title. And I'm telling you right now, it's hard to lay down your title. When you're making decisions for yourself, when you've been feeding your flesh, when you've been doing whatever you like, because whatever seemed right to you was seemed right to you, and you did it. The problem is you didn't know that in the end lied death. Because the Bible tells us very clear, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is death. You cannot do it on your terms. This was the problem with the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's obviously hasn't obtained it yet, because if he had obtained it, then he wouldn't be asking the question. So the Lord then, the Lord Jesus says to him, hey, okay, wait a second. Listen, just do the commandments. Now he comes back and says, I've been doing that since my youth. No problem. If that's all it is, I've got this. But Jesus identified him and says, no, nah, there's one thing you lack. People think it's money. It's not money. Money wasn't his issue. His issue was lordship. Because if you did the commandments, and why would you do them? Because the Lord said to do. The principle that Jesus was showing him was this. You lack one thing. You do what I say on your terms. This is why religion runs rampant. People can grab the Bible, pull scripture, and do the Bible on their own. I can feed the poor without Jesus. I can go visit the sick without Jesus. 
I can go preach in jail without Jesus. I can be nice to people without Jesus, but then I'll have the testimony of Paul. The thing that I tried to do, I wasn't doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, my gosh, man, here I am, a religious guy trying to do everything right underneath the law, underneath Judaism, and I found the thing I didn't want to do, I found myself doing. And what I hoard, I found myself doing. I said, who is going to deliver me from this wretched sinner that I am? But thanks be unto God who causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus, meaning I didn't have to do it in my own strength the way I thought it should be done. I actually could follow the leading of God speaking to me. I laid down my lordship to myself and picked up my his lordship for me, and now I do what he says. So when God says, heal the sick, I can do it. When God says, go give to the poor, then I do it as an assignment from my father, not because I'm just wanting to do it myself. And if we don't watch out, if we continue to hold Lord ourselves, then we miss the treasure. So he looks at it and he goes, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And he turned away sad. And Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man. Now again, people think, well, it's the money. No, it's the control of making decisions. He had a lordship problem. And if we don't watch out, we do too. Because we, again, we've said this many times, Savior is what Jesus did, Lord is who he is. The Bible says he, he will judge the living and the dead. So whether Jesus Christ is your Lord or not, he's still Lord over you. And if you leave this life, meaning you, you leave your skin suit and you are, you are in the grave and then at the great white throne judgment, you go to Jesus himself and he opens up the book and does not see your name in the Lamb's book of life. So he closes that one, pulls out all the other books and shows all your sins and you'll be guilty for them and you'll be punishable for them, even though you'll be in this position while he's showing you them. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus, you are Lord. And he'll say, depart from me. He'll cast them into the lake of fire. You chose life without me as your Lord. So you cannot be in in, uh, the eternal realm with me that goes on forever and ever when I deal with death, hell, sin, everything, and cast it into the lake of fire, which is the second death. When that's all taken care of, you will not be with me because you chose not to. And you'll live out eternity with the sentence of paying for sin that you can never pay for. Only I could. Are you with me? So again, when we say that it's a free gift, it's free in the sense that I don't do it on my own merits, but it's not free in the sense that I don't have to lay something down in order to obtain Now, I don't do a money exchange, and I don't earn it because I laid it down. I earned it because I accepted it. But accepting it means then I must lay down my lordship to self. Are you with me? And God's patient because he goes through the mind renewal process because when we get into the kingdom of God, we're still thinking about ourselves a lot. Okay. So he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must. He what? He partially can. 50-50. Okay. Give me 90%. I'll let you have the tithe of your old life and you can run around in the flesh on 10% of your life. 
99.9%, I realize there's those occasions where I'm just going to let you sow your wild oats. Parents used to say that, man. I don't even understand why they would do that. You know, well, you know, they just got to go sow their wild oats. No, they don't. They don't have to. So don't confess it over them. My aunt used to confess that over me when my mom, because, you know, she took me to church, and when I was wanting to do some things or want a girlfriend, which was so stupid, and she went, oh, Peggy, you know, just like he's a boy, it's okay. I wish my mom would have said, get thee behind me, Satan, told her to shut up. I wish she'd have done that, but she didn't. And, hey, you know, I enjoyed the flesh at the time. All right, let's go on. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his and follow me. Follow me is costly. I said, follow me is costly because follow me, following me, when Jesus said, follow me, will take me down some roads. Ah, uh, you know, I never would have picked on my own because some of those roads are a valley. Some of those roads are valleys. Yet he warns me when I get to the valley, he says, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> Fear no evil, for I'm with you. Because we're going to go through this thing. My rod and my staff, they comfort you. That's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is with you, and it gets you through. Because make no mistake about it, in this life, Jesus said, you're going to have trials and tribulation. There's going to be these things you're going to have to go through, but don't worry about it. I'm there. Hallelujah. So we have to take up this cross and follow him. So let's look at a few words in this thing. I want you to understand some things that are being said here. He must deny himself. The word deny means to disown. I disown my old life. I said I disowned it. I'm telling you, really, the day that my wife and I, when we were, you know, went on a blind date, and I realized I'm going to marry this girl, okay, and then I tried to get out of it. Then I realized I'm not getting out of it. And then I married her. And then I had the conversation, what did I do? And then I was like, but I'm in it, and we're going to follow God. And that was it. And I denied myself. From that day, I disowned anything that I needed, period. My wife always came first at that point, and my children. I didn't buy new cars for me. I bought them from them. But, you know, there was a season when I didn't have Jack I didn't have hardly anything. We just going through, and I bought my wife this Dodge Diplomat one time. It was tough. It's tough. The, uh, we were joking the other day. I said, I'm going to buy you a Dodge Diplomat. <laughs> it's rough. But I got it for 400 cash. I mean, we, we, were, we were in some, some tough spots following God, but God saw us through. I said, God saw us through. And then when it came into purchasing, she always got one, the ones first. You know, I always took care of them first. I'd wear the same clothes, but my wife gets tired of seeing me in them, so she makes me buy things. Why? I don't care. I want, and again, she's very unselfish, but I'm the head of the house, so she'll get what I say, and if I'm saying we're getting it for her, then she's just going to have to say, okay. But she ain't this person that runs around shopping all the time. I guarantee you that. She's not running down to that. I mean, she don't even know what that is. When we had our kids in the house, we would just take care of them. We'd f uh, provide for them. I didn't have to get away with men weekends. That didn't happen. That, that life's gone. I mean, I have a wife. Now, did we have fellowship with other people? Did we do things? Sure. But they weren't priority to me. My life didn't shut down because I couldn't go shoot hoops with somebody or couldn't go play football with somebody. I mean, man, I've disowned myself. I need to take care of my house. I'm following God. I'm doing what he's called me to do. So there's this denied. You've got to be able to say, wait a minute, my life's not my own anymore. 
And again, if you're going to be a disciple, I mean, there's no resistance with the thought, let me just ask Jesus to come to my heart and save me so when I die, I go to heaven and whatever I do on earth is really irrelevant. That is bottom feeding. God never planned for his children to live like that. And this is why the church looks so broke down. This is why when tri challenges come, when we were with the youth camp uh, last week, was it last week, week before, whatever week it was, it's all running together right now. Um, but when we were with the youth camp, the worship leader, he was having a conversation and he was talking about to the Lord about a situation he was in where he was believing God for something. He says, Lord, you know, why is it like this? He says, you know, why do I, you know, we believe in, in this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, there's so many places don't... Uh, they don't even preach, you know, about faith and healing and these things. And the Lord said to him, because they want it simple and they don't want to have to fight for nothing. So it's easier to make an excuse instead of standing. I'm in some battles right now that I just soon be over. But they are over in the spirit. I just have to walk them out. By never coming out. And then not by never coming off my faith. And in that process, you understand, God's purifying me. He's walking me. I'm becoming more intimately acquainted with his spirit because, again, my life's not my own. I said my life's not my own. I mean, it was July 4th yesterday, and a situation took place that I dropped my wife off with my kids to be at the beach, and I had to go on a summit because my life's not my own. It's not my own. I've disowned myself. My life is yours, Lord. And I'm fine with that because God has the capacity to be able to allow me to make up anything. So by the time I finished that little bit of assignment, I was able to come back, re-engage with my, my children and continue to spend time with them later in the, the evening and then watch fireworks with them. And it was a great time because I maximized my time with them when I was with them. I knew how to cast the care of the church off because I'm not the head anyway, Jesus is. So if I go on an assignment, do what he asked me to do, then I can go off and know the word's working. And I can engage and wrestle with Gavin and Asher in the water and we can have a good time and throw them around, you know, and do it again, Big Poppy. Do it again, Big Poppy. Why? Because I'm all yours at this moment in time because I trust his word. Amen. Disown myself. The next word we see is save. It says that he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Verse 35 says, whoever wishes to save his life uh, will lose it, and whoever uh, loses his life will, for my sake, and the gospels will save it. The word save means to protect. So if you try to protect your own life, you're going to lose it. And I'll tell you right now, people are missing out on the treasure of the kingdom because they're trying to save their own lives with good intentions. With good intentions. But again, you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and the things the world seeks to save itself will actually get added to you. But that takes faith. I said that takes faith for that to take place. Amen? Amen. So whoever wishes to lose it, lose means this, cease to exist. Whoever wishes to lose his life, that means my life doesn't exist anymore. I'm just trying to get you to the treasure that's in the kingdom of God. I'm just trying to get you to the place of peace. I'm just trying to get you to the place where the word works all the time in your life. You understand, it's one thing to try to minister the word in places. You know, I've been in situations where I ministered a word towards some people, and they took the word, and they acted on the word, and the word got the results. 
only later on to not act on the Word and not get the results and their life fall apart. I've seen it. I've seen, in one, I've seen people that had uh, cancer in their body, be totally healed of cancer, get a report that it's gone, begin to function again, be clear for two years only for it to come back. And then not deal with the issue that really is the cause of all the sickness anyway. And then when you minister the word to try to get them to that place again, decide I'm not, and then they die. Well, if God healed them once, why won't he heal them again? Now, if your theology is, well, I guess it was just their time. God, it's never God's time for to take people out in sickness and disease. If it's God's time, then he'll just take you. Sickness and disease is a work of the enemy. I like what one minister said, get healed, then say, I'm leaving. Right? I mean, I understand that, you know, people can get in positions where, you know, they get tired or they get a glimpse of glory. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. But don't say God took them out because of sickness and disease because God does not put sickness on a person so they have to leave the planet. It's not how he does it. Not if you follow scripture. You can see that you can fulfill your course and say, I'm done. Amen. Okay, so let's go on. And he goes in, so lose, cease to exist. And for, then it says, um, uh, for my sake. Sake means a marker or, or cause or reason, often with the implication of purpose in the sense of for the sake of or on account of. So I, I, I lose my life. My life ceased to exist for the purpose or the cause and the gospel. That's the good news. That person will be saved. And the gospel is the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It said that in, in one of the parable of the sowers, they all don't say this, but again, if you read them, then you understand in context, the seed's the word, but also it says the seed is the gospel of the kingdom. And again, it's very easy because when you say the kingdom, Jesus Christ is a king. And when he says the word, then he's saying the word of the kingdom because he's the one in authority. This is why his word doesn't fail. This is why uh, Ecclesiastes 8, 4 says where the word of the king is, there is there's power. And Jesus doesn't deny his kingship. When confronted with uh, Pilate, he says, are you the king of the Jews? He said, did somebody tell you about me or did you learn this on your own? You can read this for yourself in John chapter 18, starting around verse 33. And he says, look, I'm not a Jew, am I? He says, your own people have handed you over me and the chief priests. What have you done? He said, my kingdom. That's what Jesus said. My kingdom's not of this realm, meaning my kingdom doesn't operate like worldly kingdoms. He explains that and says, if it were, my servants would not let me be handed over to the Jews. I got an army that can fight, and they're awesome. They're not even on the planet, but I can get them here. He told Peter, don't you know I can call a legion of angels down right now? Whoo, that'd be a bad day for humans. Said it'd be a bad day for humans. Angels exist. Come on, do you believe it? Yeah. yeah, angels are here. There are more things happening behind the scenes right now. We become so naturally minded. Why? Because we quit digging the dirt and get to the treasure. We just get stuck in the dirt. This is the problem. We get stuck in the dirt. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I had a treasure that was valuable, I wouldn't put it on the surface. I wouldn't even dig it with 12 inches. I'd put it there somewhere that you got to go really get, you got to want it. And that's the thing about the kingdom. God wants you to have the kingdom for those who want it. God doesn't have anyone come into kingdom who does not want it. 
If you do not want to be born again, then you don't have to be born again. If you don't want to do relationships like kingdom relationships, you don't have to. If you don't want to uh, get in the kingdom economic system and stay in your own economic system, you can do that. But the thing about God is the more you dig, there's treasures upon treasures. Because again, you know, when we think of a treasure, we think of the movies, you know, they're digging, they're digging, all of a sudden, boom. It's like his box, right? And they open it up and the treasure's contained in this one box. Ah, gee, God is infinite. So you understand when you hit one treasure, you dig it out, the Lord said there's more. So you go digging further. You'll go to another level. We go from deep to deep, from faith to faith, glory to glory. The Lord says, oh, that, that treasure's good, but I got some more. I got some more. So you got to go digging more. The problem is we get satisfied with the first little batch we get. But what do we do with all treasures? We spend it. We, we, you got to go back. It will exhaust itself at some point. Are you with me? In a natural sense. And again, I don't want a treasure that I can't use till I leave. It's amazing how many people want the salvation treasure that only is worth when you leave. Because we need the treasure of the fruit of the Spirit. We need the treasure of the gifts of the Spirit. We need the treasures, you know, that, that come with uh, the anointing and, and just a deeper relationship with God. We need those treasures. And then we need the treasures of purpose. Oh, you believe God and got that? Great. I got another treasure. Go deeper. I got another place for you. Problem is, when you go for treasure, you have to dig. How do you spell Dig. W-O-R-K, that's right. It's work. Now, again, I hear everybody, wait a minute, there's not a work here. It's not a work of your own effort. It's a denial work. It's hard for people to deny self. Oh, you don't want to hear that. Because, again, we all, you, you think God's just going to come up here and come down here on will, right? And he's just going to slap his spiritual blessing on him. Slap it. He's just there, and all of a sudden, God just slapped it on him. He goes into the house, and all of a sudden, he looks at his account, and he's got billions of dollars in there. I don't even know how it happened. It's like God's doing it independent. He does not work independent of man. He needs man to believe with him. He did not part a Red Sea without Moses. He did not deliver people out of Egypt without Moses. He did not take the people into the promised land without Joshua. He did not defeat Goliath without David. He did not redeem humanity without Jesus. And Jesus was a man. God in the flesh. And from there, he didn't say, okay, we're good. We don't have to send anyone out. Guess what? He has apostles going out and pastors going out and evangelists going out and disciples going out. And they're going out. And he says, the works that I do, even greater, greater, greater. Say the word. It's okay. Greater. It's a work. It's a work of faith. It's denying myself and doing God's will. And that's work. And that's harder than just taking a shovel. My gosh, man, I wish I could just get a shovel. Sometimes I wish we could go back to Old Covenant. Your child's been disobedient, huh? Okay. Bad? Yeah? Okay, that's fine. We got some rocks over here. We'll take care of that. Won't have to hear that anymore. 
right? I mean, there's some people you just assume, just, just get them off the planet. Some of you are like these guys that are pursuing your girls. You're thinking, they need, to, they need to get up out of my front porch is what you need to do. I was just talking to someone uh, this week in, in a store, and they were talking about uh, one of their children had went off to college and uh, met somebody. I'm talking about a believer now. Met somebody. Apparently that wasn't really good because they've transferred to another college. I don't know the details, but it was enough to get them reassigned to a whole other part in the state. And the parents said, they, they worthless, they sorry. Well, why is the child looking for sorriness? What have they been entertaining? What are they seeing? What are they hearing? And I can guarantee I could hear it in the parent's voice. I'm thinking, yeah, they'd like for that, that, that entity to just disappear. And there's some context in the Old Covenant that people disappear. And the whole nation gets to participate in the disappearance. Right? Now, I thank God for grace. But grace is not to cover up us to constantly be disobedience. That's why people who want to live in grace, but not really live in grace, what they want to do is they want to act like grace is a part of their lives so that they can justify living sinful, have a hard time coming to church because they don't want to get around the place that actually preaches the word because they feel like rocks are being thrown at them. Well, I'm not throwing rocks, but Jesus is the rock. And man, if you're sitting here running off in the flesh, well, no wonder it hurts. It's trying to kill your flesh. We're going to see that. God wants your flesh dead. Because he wants you to get the treasure. Let's get the treasure. Amen. I want the treasure. How about you? All right, so let's go on. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. So now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So again, how are you going to believe in this thing? Matthew 16, we've already seen this in another translation, 24 and 25. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. You have to do that. Take up his cross and follow me. Now, what's your cross? Jesus is not asking us to die on a cross. That's not our But he's asking our will to die on the cross. Paul said, I die daily. Meaning, I woke up today and said, I'm going to do God. Because some days he woke up and thought, I don't want to do this. I mean, he had reports. You go to Jerusalem, they're going to mess you up, bro. You know he had conversations in his mind. Mm. And people were trying to help. Don't go. Don't go, man. Don't do it. We love you, Paul. We love We need you. And Paul was so close to God and was such a denial of self because he was a true disciple. He said, don't say this. Don't say. He said, man, I am going to, don't deny me what I'm supposed to do. God's leading me there. Don't talk to me and try to pull on my emotions and keep me. Don't talk to me and tell me how great I am because I am going there. You're hurting my heart right now. If you ain't connected with the will of God for my life, you're hurting my heart right now because I can't have, listen, I am willing to go not only to Jerusalem and be persecuted, but even to die for the sake of Jesus because my life's not my own. That ceased to exist the day I said, Jesus be Lord. The day on the road to Damascus, I said, Lord, here I am. What do you need me to do? Now, when you do that, that doesn't mean you're going to be called to ministry. But you understand, maybe you won't do the job you're doing right now. <laughs> I mean, most people don't even ask God, where should I be? 
Most people would never consider working at McDonald's. But if the Lord says, I need you to go there, because you see hamburgers, God sees people and wants you to become the owner of the chain and multiple chains. Because you understand, the owners know how to make hamburgers. Amen. It's better to be where God's called you and do what God's called you to do than doing anything you want to do. Because that's where true prosperity begins. Let's jump on down to Luke chapter 9. Uh, Luke chapter 9, 23 and 24. And he was saying all this, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake... Um, um, he is the one who will save it. Man, notice Mark, Matthew, and Luke have this in context. It obviously must be pretty important. Not only is it three witnesses, but it's three separate people that said the same thing. They got that one together. Are you with me? Now listen, as long as people can see you, the treasure remains hidden. As long as you are doing you, then they'll never see the kingdom in you. As long as you do you and not let God do him through you, they'll never see the kingdom in you. It'll remain hidden because they'll see all your dirt. You won't go out. I can't understand it. Believers want to go out on Saturday and they want to drink in a, they want to drink in a restaurant and look like everybody else. Maybe get out and smoke. Maybe cuss a few times, you know, because they're upset at something and, and, and respond just like the world and then try to invite them to church and wonder why they're having a problem because they're having a hard time seeing the, the kingdom because all your dirt. So you're dishonest, you know, as an employee, you know, you're taking stuff, you're not coming to work on time, you're coming to work late, you know, you lay around with everybody else that, you know, is doing all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, because, you know, God forbid that, you know, you actually do the job, and then people start talking about you for actually doing your job, because you don't want to look like you're better than them. I mean, where do we get that from the gospel? Well, you know, we're, not, we're, just, we're just not better than anybody. You're a new species, a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are the nature of God. People that are not in Christ are nowhere near like us. Now, that doesn't mean we snub our nose at them and we look down on them, but it does mean, dude, you could have a much better life if you would let God in. Well, I'm just like you. You know, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. No, I'm not. I was delivered from sin. Now, can I make a mistake? Sure. But I don't habitually live in it at all. I mean, it's so infrequent that when it happens, I'm like, wow, I haven't done that in a long time. Father, forgive me because I just blew it right there, man. And your word's very clear. If I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Father, I thank you that you did because I'm not going to respond that way. That just felt very unnatural because I usually don't even act like that, talk like that, respond like that, think like that, carry that thought on through. Thank you, Lord, that you forgave me. And then I walk it out like I've never messed up at all. I don't have to repent every Monday because I've blown it. Every Tuesday. I mean, you get marvelous opportunities for it. I said we get marvelous opportunities for it, do we not? But again, if I keep all that dirt on my life, then the treasure of God in me can't be revealed. 
I got to let God get all that off. I go digging in the word because I'm looking for the treasure of God's word so that it produces faith and, and the life of faith in me because I live by faith, not by sight. And while I'm doing that, then God's digging in me and he's uncovering the treasure that I am so that when people see me, they'll say, my gosh, man, you're different. Something's different about you. If people at work are not saying that about you, that's the problem. You know, I, I've noticed you, you never cuss. You never have coarse words. Again, I remember a testimony where the inspector came over to 312 and was shutting us down when we first moved in. <laughs> that was a fun day. And, um, you know, we were over in there and we were, you know, trying to get ready for service on Sunday. It was a Thursday and he came in with his badge and said, y'all got to stop all your work. Y'all can't even be here. Well, that was much to my surprise concern. I called the county and asked if I could, and they did tell me I could be there, but obviously it got up the chain that looked a little deeper into the zoning requirements and, and, and what was laid out based upon that address and based upon their interpretation, I could not be there. Now, they were in error, and we fixed that later on nine months later, uh, but I never left. We did stay, but I remember seeing again the inspector, and I said, so what, what are you saying? He tells me, and I said, okay, uh, who would I need to talk to? And he stopped when I gave civil discourse. He goes, well, you sure are taking this well. I said, man, you're just doing your job. I mean, that's, I just need to know who I need to talk to because I'll go to try to work this out. He goes, my, he said, man, I've, I've been in a lot of churches that I've had to do stuff and nobody responded like this. That's sad. I just wanted to say, I'm sorry that you were around a bunch of hypocrites or, you know, a bunch of dirt that wouldn't let the treasure of the kingdom come out. Because really, this is how you should respond. I just entered into a trial, and I'm going to consider it all joy, and God's going to give me an answer. Because I know I heard him to come here, and I actually did have permission from one layer. So where this thing got off, I need to find out, because, and we will. And we did. And we stayed. And it's been glorious. Amen. And I've seen that inspector on more than one occasion. And he remembered that. And the whole county remembered me because when I came in asking, I never got mad. I don't get mad now when I go in with my plans. I don't kick and scream thinking, come on, how long are you going to hold them? <laughs> I don't do that. I'm just patient, man, because it's a fruit in me. I'm like, man, this is all good. I just keep showing up. Y'all need donuts? Can I get y'all? Y'all doing all right today? Because, man, I'm here to bless you. I want to help you, man. Whatever I can do to help the process, I don't care. And it makes an impression. Why? Because I'm dead. The kingdom has to be alive. That's how we live. So we see this. Your selling out to the kingdom is not uh, what brings the treasure. Uh, your selling out to the kingdom is what brings this treasure to the surface or uncovers it. Jesus in the garden, he said, not my will. So um, this is not as much as selling your things. It's not about, okay, if I'm going to follow Christ, I have to sell everything I have and live poor. The Bible never says that. Ever. In fact, the Bible is very clear that if you'll become a disciple, there are some that, ha that actually have the gift to give. You'll become so wealthy, you'll be like, what can I do with the money? And there, I mean, all of us will prosper to where we have more than enough to do every good work we're called for, period. We'll all have that. 
All of us. Now, some of them just have the gift to give. That means like everything they do in the realm of finance, it just like multiplies, but it's for the purpose of advancing the kingdom, not to get you a bigger house on the beach. Now, if God says you can have that and you're still advancing, fine. I have no problem with that. No problem at all because God is awesome because he owns the planet. I don't care. And if you own the beach house, I'm sure I'll get invited one day and we'll get to hang out. It'll be fun. I don't have to own anything. I just want access to the whole planet, which my daddy and your daddy owns. Hallelujah. Because I've had things before that God said, give it away. I didn't own it anyway. But it's not about selling our things. It's about um, letting go of our thoughts and our way of living. That's the difference. That's what causes the treasure to come out. So let me read a couple of scriptures and we'll close for tonight. John 3.30 says this, he must increase, but I must decrease. I love this verse. I've loved this verse uh, right at the inception of God calling me to ministry. I have this, one of my favorite verses I'd have in the Bible that I knew when God called me to ministry, I have to live this. I must, he must increase and I must decrease. And sometimes I feel like I can't get any more out of the way only to find out I can. So if you think you're totally gone, you're probably not. It'll be all right. You'll get in a situation. You'll find yourself somewhere, and you can get rid of that too. Amen, because we're going deeper. I don't want to settle at any level. I want to keep going deep with God. Amen. So we see that in Galatians 2.20, how severe is this denying or disowning of self? He said, I've been crucified with Christ. And again, it's in context to treasure. Who in the world would not? I mean, think of what you own right now. Whatever it is, all your assets, whatever it is, if you have a house, if you have a car, whatever, maybe you have a, a um, retirement, maybe you have some stock, whatever. But whatever it is you have, I don't care what it is, maybe it's only a car, maybe you rent, all you have is a vehicle that you could turn around and sell. Maybe all you have is a loaf of bread. I don't care. And if God says, sell your loaf of bread and I'll give you the biggest treasure that will take care of you the rest of your life. Who would not sell the bread? Only those who want to remain Lord of their own lives. So again, when we talk about this, it's not like, oh, I can't. No, this is about God's ready to give you something so awesome. I remember, man, because I was a treasure hunter, right? I love treasures. My grandma Hartley, before she passed away, uh, she let her and my grandpa lived down in Lakeland. I would go down during the summers, and I would stay usually for a weekend. They'd take me fishing, and my grandma could fish now, no doubt. But we would go on Christmas sometimes down to Lakeland and spend time with them, and she would buy us presents. But grandma was awesome. Grandma wasn't this. You go into her house, and she's got the Christmas tree, and got your presents underneath there, and you have her awesome food because she could cook like phenomenal, and then we'd sit down and eat. No, there would be nothing under the tree at all at grandma's house. And I was jacked to see nothing. We sit down and eat, and I'm just waiting. Ooh. Food's over, and then all of a sudden, Grandma would give us a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper would be a clue that I would have to go through the house, me and my sister, and we would have to look because she had put a system where I would go, and maybe it's in a closet. She'd give some little clue, and we'd find it, and there's my present. And then on that present would be the next clue. 
And then I get to go to the next and be up underneath maybe the bed, you know, find the next prayer, the next clue. And I mean, we probably got 10 gifts, you know, and it, it, I don't even remember what the gifts were, probably socks and underwear. But all I know is I love finding the presence, man. It was awesome. It was an adventure. It was exciting. I didn't go, I ain't doing it. Just break and put them under the tree while I got worked so hard, Grandma. <laughs> but that's what believers are doing to Jesus. Oh, I got worked so hard, Jesus. Well, he paid for it under the tree, and then he put it out for you to go seek and find, because if you'll seek, you'll find. If you knock, it'll be open. If you ask, it'll be given. It's a treasure hunt, man. It's an exciting life. And it's worth selling everything. I'd sell the farm, man, for the treasure he has. It's the greatest life ever, man. It's the best life ever. I'll close with this verse. I won't go any further than this one. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live now in the flesh, I live how? By faith. That means I ain't trying to figure it out. I'm seeking God on how to figure it out. Where are we going next, Lord? What's the next step? What are we doing next? What's the next adventure you have for me? You know what? Treasures are hidden. They're always hidden. That's part of the fun. You have to look at it that way. It's not, oh, how come I can't? God, why won't you just tell me? He is telling you. He's leading you. He's leading you with the word. And if you'll walk it out, that path will be straight. Woo! And it'll take you to the next location. So he said, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I just want to encourage you tonight. In our world, there's a lot going on. Let's just put it this way. There's a lot of dirt. A lot of dirt, a lot of mud slinging happening. You know, that term, you know, when I was growing up, and I think it still has that context today. I don't think they've changed it yet. But, you know, when something wasn't right, they said, oh, that's dirty. A dirty movie, dirty magazine. It's dirty. If the dirt's there, and you don't find the treasure. So I realize as a pastor, I get a lot of dirty people show up. But if I'm going to get the treasure in you, I got to deal with your dirt. The problem is, you as the field leave before I can fi finish excavating. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is I help you excavate by saying, God gives you that word and then you take your own personal shovel and say, you got to get off me. Nope, get out. Nope, I won't take that thought. Nope, that's not my lifestyle. Nope, I won't take that anymore. Nope, I won't get offended there. Nope, that's not going to happen. And all of a sudden, this person that came in, and in your eyes you thought, no potential, no nothing. Man, I'm broke down, nothing, beat down. Man, am I ever going to amount to anything? All of a sudden begins to rise because the greater one begins to manifest because we keep knocking layers off. And we get to one part of the treasure and say, oh, this is so awesome, man, you're doing so great. But you know what? I just sense there's something else in there. And then we go to digging again. And they say, you know, boom, then that shows up. I've seen people, this is kind of how it goes. They come in, they're broke. And then we, we show them Jesus, and they're like, man, I'm willing to sell for that. Okay, so we get the dirt of sin off them. 
and they get the treasure of salvation, new creature in Christ Jesus. Then we say, man, there's something awesome in there. From there, then, well, you got to deal with them personally. We're always dealing with you personally. But again, it's personal, you know, immediate relationship. So all of a sudden, husbands and wives start getting closer and their kids, you know, and he was dealing with the family. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's happening and then their house is prospering and they're getting jobs and promotions and stuff. And man, we got that treasure out. It's like, wow, look at your life. Look at your family. Look at the restoration. Look at what God's done. Wow. And then you say, man, we go deeper. A lot like to stop there. But God said, let's go deeper. Why? Because if we go deeper in that, you may find out that it's not about your family now anymore because your family's taken care of. There's like a whole other family in Haiti, and there's another family in China. There's another family that's on, uh, uh, on West King Street or another family over in St. George. Uh, there's another thing that we need to do to touch somebody else's. And then we go to digging some more. And then there's things in you need to be written, things that need to be sung, things that need to be why that gets out beyond these walls into other walls. And then we keep digging. It's so awesome. This life of God is so exciting because the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that if we just keep going after and just keep digging, God's going to pull some things out. And know this, every once in a while, because the deeper you go, if anybody's done any digging before, the deeper you go, you get in some different layers. In Florida, praise God, it's sand. Then you can get to some lime rock at some point. You could hit lime rock. When I was in um, Nicaragua, it was rock all the time from the get-go. Ah, I mean, you ah, breaking. You're trying to break through a layer to get to something soft, and you felt good. Woo, you get a foot, you know, of easy dirt. That's like, hey, and then bam. It, but, you know, we get into roots. My wife will want me to do some gardening, and there's nothing worse than roots, man. Roots are just a pain. Oh, man, they require extra attention, like axes, right? Dynamite for some things, but, you know, I haven't had to use that myself. But I've seen some people blow some stumps out before, not personally, just on video. You hear what I'm saying? Some take a little bit extra. That means we may get down in places for the next treasure to be revealed that we're going to have to blast a few things. And you understand, you know if you felt, if, if the root was like your arm, and all of a sudden you go to tugging to try to break that thing off, that would hurt. Let me just pull your arm out of socket. I just need to, you know, get rid of this. That would hurt, right? So, you know, when you're down there pulling on that root, I mean, with all your mind, anybody ever done it, you're like, pulling that thing, man, and that thing pops finally, like, yeah, and you go to hacking on that thing and pulling and hacking and pulling and prying and all that. You know, if it could literally feel pain in that context, most of the time we're like, stop, stop, stop. We ain't going to go no further than that. But some of the biggest treasures below the root. We got to get that root out. It's been an impeding. I can't go around it. Can't dig around it. The treasure's under it. Seems like every time I had to plant a tree, it's underneath the root. Seriously? Why couldn't we plant it there? Why does it have to be here? Because there's a root here. I have had my wife move plants because of roots before. There's a root there. We're not bid we're we are not planting it there. So I moved to another place that was easy because I'm done with the root stuff at that time. I'm sure we'll find another one. Because, you know, I love my wife. I can be kind of persistent about things, but even I can get softy and buy birds. All right. Let's go digging. Amen. Let God dig with the Holy Ghost in your life so the treasure can come out. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you that there's a treasure in every one of us.